This is the Scott Thompson Show podcast. I don't know if people are aware of this or not, and uh, the alarm bells should be going off. There is uh, probably a good chance that interest rates will rise at uh, 10 a.m., Tomorrow morning, most economists will expect the Bank of Canada rate will rise by the uh, from the current 0.5 to 0.75 percent. But when you kind of figure that out, it's a quite a hefty boost to people's disposable income. And to talk about that is Michael Veal. He is a professor with the Department of Economics at McMaster University. Michael, thank you for joining us. How are you, sir? It's fine. How are you? Excellent. So right off the top, the Ipsos poll said 77% of Canadians would struggle to pay another $130 a month in interest payment on debt. So let's first of all talk about, uh, break down some of the monetary costs if the Bank of Canada does raise its rate from uh, half a point to three quarters of a point tomorrow. Well, there's, there's a lot of steps in that. First, of course, it's not entirely clear that just because the Bank of Canada raises interest rates, that will lead to an increase in all mortgage rates. In particular, of course, a lot of individuals have fixed mortgage rates, and they won't change at all. And so there's that aspect. But, but another aspect is, of course, that when that $130 figure is calculated, that's an average calculated with a lot of assumptions. Uh, most people will be able to figure out what their impact from their mortgage is simply by knowing the size of the mortgage. So if the mortgage is uh, $300,000, uh, then you would expect that a quarter point on that is about $750 a year, something like that. Now, the, the Ipsos Reed poll and our friends at Global News did the uh, calculation that the one percentage point rate hike would be about $130 in monthly debt servicing costs. That's for a family of 78 uh, who has a, a median income of $78,000, which, of course, begs the question for people that don't have the income of $78,000, how badly affected will they be? Well, that's part of the calculation, you see. Uh, they also, in that calculation, they also used what's the national average, which is that um, for every dollar of disposable income, on, on average, nationally, we have about a dollar seventy-five debt. Uh, but that, of course, varies a lot across people. There's some people who don't have any debt at all, and there's some people who have a great deal more of that debt. So obviously what matters in this is not only how much uh, income you have in terms of your uh, capacity to pay off debt, but how much debt you have. So if there's somebody who's at relatively low incomes, and of course, who's carrying a big mortgage, this is going to be very serious. Well, that, of course, begs the next question. If people have uh, a lower income than the average, and they have a, a, a big mortgage payment, then why are they getting that money from the banks? It, it, should, should the bank not be questioning this as well? Well, sometimes what has happened, of course, is that people have had higher incomes at the time of uh, purchase uh, than subsequently. Another thing that happens is that some people have fairly substantial down payments, uh, so the bank feels protected because there's lots of equity in the property. It's interesting, too. Uh, a lot of the debt is coming from um, people that own cars. I found it interesting that uh, a lot of people are basically uh, getting new loans that cover the costs of the new car and the unpaid portion of their old car loan. Uh, are are, are people, I don't want to use the term naive, but are, are people not really um, cognizant of the fact of what being in debt can do to them, especially when they buy an automobile? I think it's true that car loans is a, is a growing segment of, of debt. Uh, another important one is lines of credit. A lot of people are taking lines of credit off the increased value of their homes. Um, a lot matters is what the interest rate is. So sometimes with car loans, the interest rates are not that unattractive. Sometimes they're pretty bad. 
uh, lines of credit, typically the interest rates are more substantial. And so whenever one makes uh, a, takes on a debt, of course, one has to think about repayment and think about interest rates. And I think probably the most serious problem for, for most Canadians is to make sure that they've got their debt in the lowest form of interest that they can get and not have very much of their debt on lines of credit or even worse on credit cards. I was going to ask, you know, that, that figure that, that we talked about, and that was the, the average based on 78000 um, Do you find that median figure a little higher than maybe it should be? Well, first, it's a bit high uh, for Canada uh, because of the Canadian-wide figure. It seems a bit higher than, than you'd think in this region, but not very much. That would be pretty close to the number for Hamilton. But median income, of course, by its nature means that half people are above and half people are below, so that means there's a great deal percent of the population that's below that. And, of course, family income, that's combining the income of all the members of the family. So that's one of the reasons it may seem a little high compared to average people's salary. We kind of go through this the same thing, Michael, all the time uh, when we get into the uh, Christmas season. And then, of course, Christmas holidays are over. And then the visa bill comes in in January and people almost like they get sticker shot. Uh, again, I, I, do you think people just think it's so easy just to get credit and not think about the ramifications down the road? I actually think that most Canadians are, are pretty good about this. The most Canadians understand they borrow money for things they really need. So people want to have a house. Uh, people who've made purchases of house, houses have made very wise investments in the last few years. Those houses have gone up a lot in value. Uh, when people need automobiles, uh, they purchase the automobile, but I think in most cases they are very careful to understand what the credit terms are and make sure that they can repay. The trouble, of course, is that there's a lot of people and there's a lot of transactions, so there's always going to be some people uh, who overextend. And that happens in good times and bad. And what may happen now is if there is some rise in interest rates, uh, those people will be under some pressure. Now, what happens, uh, we've, we've, we've heard a lot here on CHML News, we've been telling people about the average price of homes, and it's just been skyrocketing, and it seems that it's kind of calmed down a little bit when it comes to housing prices in, in Toronto especially. Uh, kind of put on your, your soothsayer hat here and, and talk about the real estate market and some of the ramifications of pitfalls if the market, uh, if that big market, uh, the bubble kind of bursts um, in the next few weeks or months. So, of course, if I could predict housing prices or interest rates or something, I'd be a very wealthy person. That's yep. a really tough thing to do. But uh, I don't anticipate a, a burst of the bubble. Uh, I think you're right. There are already signs in the data of the housing market slowing down a little. Uh, we knew it couldn't stay at that rate of increase forever. That was uh, unsustainable. Uh, whether it will go as far as actually burst and you'll get like a really fo- sharp increase, I think it's unlikely. It can, can of course, always happen. Uh, if it does, of course, that's mostly serious for the people who have bought in the last year or two. Uh, people who bought some time ago uh, won't really suffer because they already had a fairly big chunk of equity built into their, uh, their home from the rising housing prices. So nobody will, who owns a house will want the price of their house to go down, but it may not be so serious for them. And, of course, on the other side, there are a lot of people who are hoping that the market will go down some or at least uh, stay put for a while because they want to get in the market and they want to buy houses. Now, it's interesting when you look at this survey, um, and we talked about many Canadians already saying that they're already stretched in with their mortgage payments. One quarter of them saying they're in over their head with their courage, current mortgage payments. Um, if it does go from half a point to three quarters of 
of a point. And I know it's based on the mortgage and and what have you, but uh, how big of an increase is that going to be for people's monthly payments for mortgages and for cars and what have you if that bank rate does increase? Well, again, if you have a $300,000 mortgage uh, and and suppose this whole quarter percent gets passed on, which means probably in this case you'd have a variable mortgage rather than a fixed mortgage, and fixed mortgage won't make any difference. So a quarter point is about $750 a year. Uh, so you know, $60 a month, a little bit more than that. So in itself, I mean, that's money that will be serious for some people, but in itself I don't think that's catastrophic. When you read the forecasts, what people are saying is they're not just talking about the quarter point. They're saying, and what if the bank does this again and again and again, and then maybe we get up to a 1% increase. Um, so a 1% increase on a $300,000 mortgage, $300, mortgage is, of course, $3,000 a year. Uh, that gets a little bit more serious. But a lot of people will be able to handle this. Uh, as I said, a lot of people have fixed mortgages, and those with variable mortgages, in many cases, we're understanding that maybe the interest rates wouldn't stay at these low levels quite so long. That doesn't mean there won't be other people who have some trouble, but I don't think we should think that that would be the majority of people. And uh, last uh, word of advice, our guest, Michael Veal, with the Department of Economics at McMaster University. Uh, people see this, and we've been trying to, trying to tell people what uh, the situation is. What's your advice for people uh, if they're planning on buying a house, if they're planning on getting a car, if they're planning on refinancing a mortgage, should they be overly concerned with this possible raise in the interest rate, and what advice would you have for them? Well, first thing, there's no reason to do anything particularly in the short term to panic. Um, All the effects of these interest rates that we know of have already been built into most market numbers. It's not like... uh, you could rush into the bank today and likely get a much better deal than if you happen to go to the bank tomorrow. Uh, these things are, are built in now. Uh, going forward, uh, it is always the advice that everybody gives. I don't think you need to be a specific uh, expert to know this, is that simply you have to think about repayment schedules. And when you think about repayment schedules for anything, be it a mortgage or a house, a car, whatever, you have to have some built-in margin uh, what they call in the trade stress testing. In other words, what happens if I can't come up with this much money? Do I have any sort of cushion? Because uh, people are very, can be, if you're stretched right to the limit, then of course you're very vulnerable to a change. But most people I don't think do that. I do think they understand that, and they do understand that they might have to make some adjustments in, in response to, to somewhat higher interest rates, and that's why I don't expect a crisis. Michael Veal, professor with the Department of Economics at McMaster University, thank you for taking the time and, and explaining what could happen if the interest rates go up tomorrow. Thanks for the time. Enjoy the rest of the day. You're welcome. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. It is a sad, it's a scary story, and it, apparently it is getting worse. A province-wide state of emergency remains in place in B.C. due to the wildfires. Thousands of people have been evacuated, 14,000 in total, an entire community, Williams Lake, is being told they have to leave at a moment's notice. It's a a scary story, and it's been made worse by people who try to take advantage of people when they really shouldn't be. Joining us on CHML is the Senior Communications Advisor for the Better Business Bureau, uh, which serves the mainland part of B.C., Evan Kelly. Uh, Good morning out in B.C. Evan, first of all, let's talk about the situation. Just how scary is it out there? 
Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's one of these things. It seems to happen uh, every year and every every time that you know the emotions start running and you know uh, bad things happen. Whether it's here and uh, around the world, we have a tendency to see uh, things pop up. We see uh, uh, scam crowdfunding uh, websites uh, claiming to. Uh, uh, to be raising money for those in need. We've seen in the past uh, people um, uh, going around pretending they're uh, members of uh, the Red Cross, canvassing door-to-door. They even put on a little red red vest to, to take your money and, and, and take off. It's just one of those times where, you know, where emotions are running high and people are more and more willing to open their wallets. So we just want to raise the warning that, that these things happen when, when bad things happen and that the scammers will just take advantage of that. You know, we uh, here in southern Ontario here at CHML, we did the story last year and I vividly recall reading the story, one of many stories about what happened in Fort McMurray, Alberta, the wildfires, the devastating ones they had last summer, uh, last spring at least out there. And, and it was the same thing. People were going door to door or f- calling people, claiming to be raising money. I guess mm-hmm. it, it, this this almost comes down to the human psyche and the human personality for the life of me. And I'm, I guess I'm speaking for you as well. We can't understand why people would do this. It's 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 the lowest of the low, really. I mean, you're 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 stealing from people and taking from people who need it the most. It's 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 one of the worst types of scams out there, if you ask me. And it's and it's just always comes down to uh, to us being uh, doing our due diligence. And you know, just like as we would if we're hiring a contractor, you want to you want to be able to uh, uh, give to charities that you've given to in the past that you're comfortable giving to. You want to do your research. Um, uh, BBB serving Western Ontario actually monitors and accredits charities out out there. Um, so the other place, too, is they check with the Canada Revenue Agency. They have the list of the registered charities here in Canada, so you know that your money's going to a good place. Uh, Red Cross does, from time to time, go door-to-door. I don't think they're doing that at the moment for this, for this at the moment. But you want to ask lots of questions for any, any charity that, that goes to door. A lot of the big ones typically don't. But you want to ask lots of questions. Do they have um, uh, uh, lots of uh, identification? Do they understand the organization's mission and vision? Uh, are they going to offer a tax receipt? Can they? Can you pay with a credit card right then and there? These are the things we just really need to uh, to ask ourselves before giving anything at the door. You know, you you had mentioned Evan that uh, people claiming that they're from the Red Cross, and of course they have the uh, the red jackets on. Um, yeah. And, and you kind of touched on it, uh, the emotion of the situation. Everybody wants to help. We know that it's a horrible situation. But, but again, especially when it comes to the Red Cross, I know you've dealt with them in the past before. What do or don't they do, the Red Cross, when it comes to asking for door-to-door uh, donations? Well, they, they, like I said, they do from time to time canvas, uh, you know, door-to-door, face-to-face. It is, it is a way for them to raise money and collect goods. Um, but it's going to be one of those things where they're going to have lots of identification, uh, personal identification from the from the person, personal uh, uh, a Red Cross identification uh, as well. They're going to know everything about that organization. They're going to have everything there for you to fill out. They're going to have tax receipts. They uh, they should at this day and age have a point of sale thing where you can use we can use your credit card right uh, then and there. If you have any questions, um, go to RedCross.ca. Let's see if there are any updates about canvassing in your neighborhood. You can call them locally. They have local offices. Uh, you, you know, other, other things, too. You, you, you want to be, avoid being pressured to give money. You know, that's one of those things where the con artist can come up and, and really try to uh, uh, milk that emotion right out of you. Uh, what are they saying that they're, they're raising money for? Are they raising money 
for food, for clothes, to rebuild? Is it all of those and, and more? Well, for the scam artists, yeah. I mean, they're going to cook up any story they can. It's you're mostly going to hang it right on, right on, you know, the victims of the fire, raising money to help rebuild their houses, that kind of thing. Uh, and you know, the other thing with the Red Cross too is they, like, they don't send out soliciting, soliciting emails. We see a lot of, of uh, fraudulent Red Cross emails. Uh, we've seen a lot lately. They were uh, targeted for Syria, and they're really, really questionable uh, emails. Lots of poor grammar, but all they want you to do is input your credit card information. And they're off and running. And should that not be a warning sign that if um, it's poor grammar and spelling, then maybe people should think to themselves, you know what, maybe this isn't legitimate? Oh, of course, you know, and that's, but it's, you know, it's creating that sense of urgency and times, times of need, it creates that sense of urgency. And that's really the big thing that these scammers are, are, are preying on. They, they want you to give that information now. They want you to give that money now before it's too late. And they want, they're going to implore you, implore you that they're getting that to the right people on the ground. So we've really got to do our homework. You know, like I said, go to the Canadian Revenue, Canada Revenue Agency. They've got a list of registered charities there. Uh, you can go to London, Ontario, BBB, and they've got a list of accredited charities, charities there as well. You know, um, one of the things that uh, I, I know uh, really upset a few people, a couple of years ago, uh, we had some military personnel who were injured and killed in Ottawa. And yep. there, was, there, there were some fake crowdfunding sites for that. And I would yep. think that maybe this come, uh, delves in with a few years ago. Of course, it was Corporal Nathan Cirillo, a Hamilton native yep. who was killed in Ottawa. Um, and again, the lowest of the lows. I cannot believe that people would stoop so low to have a crowdfunding site to raise yeah. money. And that's another issue. I, I want. I'm glad you brought that. I was going to mention that with the uh, with the Nathan Cirillo uh, and that incident back then, because the RCMP did uh, find a couple of um, um, fraudulent crowdfunding websites. Then there was the Ebola scare a couple of years ago as well. And, and between uh, the RCMP and the FBI, they shut down uh, several hundred crowdfunding websites trying to uh, to elicit money again for 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 that big scare factor. You know, crowdfunding sites. They, you know, it's 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 been a, it's developed into a, a great way for people to raise money for for products, but also for or, you know times of need. But we have to understand that you know these are not registered charities. They're not really regulated. You, you you're not going to get a tax receipt from them. You're essentially just giving your money away. So it's one of those things. Where it's a little bit tougher to do your research on a crowdfunding site because you don't necessarily know the people who are involved. So it takes a little bit more diligence uh, to find out uh, who are behind these crowdfunding sites. A lot of, a lot of times, um, if, if they're uh, fairly proactive with their, their crowdfunding sites, they might get a couple of news stories out of it, which is going to give it a little bit more credence as well. So you just want to be careful, uh, you know, who you're giving your money to and why. And just, you know, it's always best to, to, uh, to work with a registered charity in any case. Our guest is the people on the ground. Our guest is Evan Kelly, the communications advisor with the Better Business Bureau, which serves a mainland in B.C., dealing with uh, some of the scams uh, dealing uh, with the wildfires across British Columbia. Evan, you mentioned about the, the crowdfunding sites. Uh, it is difficult, I would suspect, for RCMP or somebody to actually find the originator of the crowdfunding site. And then the second part of that is, can charges be laid if they find out who is behind it? Um, you know, really, really good questions. Uh, you know, these are, like I said, some of these are fairly uh, unregulated in terms of uh, what's what's going up there. 
you know, I, I, I haven't heard what happened to the, like the, in, in the case of the Corporal uh, Nathan Cirillo, uh, the crowdfunding sites there the, where, where they were shut down, whether charges were laid or not. You've, you know, I mean, you've got to sign up for these, for these websites to be able to develop them and, and be able to, uh, you know, you put your information. There's got to be some sort of uh, contact information. But again, it's one of, the, it's one of those things where it's a digital age. It's poten- the, the potential for the scammer to be overseas is still very, very great. You know, what's stopping someone in, in uh, Nigeria or Pakistan from setting up a crowdfunding site that's targeting Canadians? Uh, so, it's, again, it could be one of those things where it becomes very, very difficult for, um, for the Canadian Anti-Fraud Center to actually track down. Uh, have you at the Better Business Bureau, the mainland uh, branch uh, in, uh, in B.C., um, have you received a lot of complaints from people about uh, maybe being scammed for money? Or have you, I, I know you've been proactive on this, but is some of this based on people filing complaints? It's, it's not necessarily based on filing complaints. When it comes to scams, it's very, very difficult to actually file a complaint because it's not a legitimate business. Um, what we have is our, our scam tracker portal, uh, which you can find on our website as well at bbb.org. Uh, and that is a tool that BBB uh, set up in 2015 where uh, consumers and, and the, 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 the public can uh, write about and upload their experiences with scams. It really becomes an informative tool for the public and even for local authorities to use in terms of information of where scams are, uh, where they're heading, how much people are losing, and how many people are affected. It, uh, you know, we use that tool actually to help develop our Canadian top 10 scams list this year. So it's, it's one of those places where I want to direct people. So if you want to learn about scams, find out what's in your neighborhood. It's in a heat map. You can dial it down to a city, and you can find out what's going on uh, right in, in your town to see what scams are there. And, you know, of course, we, you know, there are... Um, um, uh, funding scams and, and door-to-door scam, canvassing scams that show up all the time. A lot of them are, of course, over the phone as well. Uh, so, you know, that's, of course, another avenue where, where the scammers are going to... Uh Get you. you know, you talk about your website. Uh, there is also, um, you're offering a lot of advice, but this is one that probably people haven't thought of, that if they're online and they're finding out to, to be asked for money, what have you, if they uh, check the website, they check the website URL for HTTPS. Uh, people don't know perhaps what that S means. Uh, can you explain that? Yeah, the, the S actually stands for secure, and what that means, if, you, if you're on a website with the HTTPS and the lock icon, it means any uh, personal or financial information you're sending over that website it becomes encrypted, so it uh, becomes uh, much more secure and difficult to hack into. So uh, you always want to be, if you're, you know, if, you're, if you're donating money on any website, so like the Red Cross, it's going to have that uh, encryption uh, codes built right into the website to protect your financial information. Now, you, there's also a lock icon uh, for people that... Mm-hmm. Uh, can go on computers, but sometimes a lot of us uh, are not quite computer savvy. And there's times where I've done stuff and people said to me, what have you done? And I have no idea because my fingers sometimes get in the way. Uh, The lock icon on the URL, explain that if you would. Again, it's all just part of the indicate, indicating to the uh, to the user that it is a, a safe and encrypted uh, site to put uh, personal and financial information into. And you, we always have to be aware because there are lots of actual fully developed fake websites out there. I mean, I've seen I've seen uh, CIBC and RBC websites that look exactly like the thing, uh, the the legitimate legitimate website, and it's all it's doing is, is stealing personal information. So you want to be the instigator. You don't want to, you, you know, rely on any pop-ups that show up in social media. You don't want to um, uh, open any links that you might receive in any spam emails. You want to be the instigator. You want to be the person going to redcross.ca 
to, to make sure that you're donating uh, to the right and legitimate website. Before we wrap up, you do have a lot of advice for people, and you kind of touched uh, on them um, off the top. First of all, well, there's there's a lot of things, but uh, you you emphasize that most charitable organizations do not solicit door to door. Yeah, unless there's a, unless there's a, a real overwhelming need, you you can pretty much count that the, like an organization like the Red Cross really just relies on uh, uh, their web based activity to to generate money, and and in the local and the community centers, you know that's the organization that's got boots on the ground. But do your research too when it comes to using charitable organizations. You want to make sure that you know the value of your dollars going as far as it can. You because I mean the Red Cross is a very big organization; it costs money to run. So there's going to be a certain percentage that are going to go to those affected. There is going to be a certain percentage that 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 goes to actually the the administration of of the organization. So you want to you know it, it, like it, there's there's more organizations organizations out there than the Red Cross. So just do your research of of who's got boots on the ground, who's actually uh, getting the supplies to where they need to be, and and and, and you know you might want to choose a, an organization as well that's that, that's using a larger significant portion of your dollar to actually give to those people in need. Uh, rather than just uh, blowing up the organization. And you also mentioned, uh, of course, uh, when something like this happens, we're all emotional, we're all upset, we all want to happen, but you're also suggesting, uh, which is good, that people should avoid being pressured to give money and keep their emotions in check. And we can't overemphasize that, can we? Exactly. It just it just comes down to doing our own due diligence as consumers. You know, BBB is all about creating a healthy marketplace, whether it's uh, uh, private businesses or, or with charities. We want to do our research. We want to make sure where our money is going to the right place. And uh, a couple of other things we should, should mention. Um, you, If somebody comes door to door, it's a legitimate question to ask the person at the door, do they offer tax receipts? If the answer is no, that's a red flag? Well, a, a registered charity organization should be able to issue a tax receipt so that you can, you can write that off at the end of the year. Um, but is it necessarily a red flag? Not necessarily. It depends what you want to do with with your money. If it's a registered charity, you sh- they should be able to give a tax receipt. But there are other organizations out there that aren't necessarily registered as a charity, but may still come around uh, looking for money, and then they might not be able to offer a tax receipt. And that again come you know brings up the whole crowdfunding funding issue. But, but and again, it just comes down to doing our due diligence, do our research. Uh, you know, does this organization have a website? How much of the money is is actually going to those in need? So, you know, again, it just really comes down to to giving to the organizations you're comfortable with and given to in the past. Evan Kelly, a Senior Communications Advisor for the Better Business Bureau uh, from mainland British Columbia. Um, hopefully these tips will be uh, uh, disseminated by the people in Vancouver and across the country uh, out in B.C. Because, as we mentioned, that's just a horrible situation. Our thoughts and prayers are with everybody that, that's affected out there. Thanks for the update. And uh, it's unfortunate that we have to do this when, uh, when times are bad. Sometimes people want to seize upon this, as you call them, the lowest of the low. Uh, hopefully this information will be uh, passed on to people and they will realize if uh, it's legitimate or not. Have yourself a great day and, and thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Wow. Um, I, maybe I'm being naive here. Uh, I cannot believe the, the human element that somebody would try to jump on somebody's misfortune. I guess it happens. And as we mentioned off the top, if you haven't heard the this, this situation, we've been all over it on CHML News for days now, but the province-wide state of emergency remains in effect. 14,000 people evacuated from their home. Just realize this. If you're 
sitting at home and you're living perhaps in Williams Lake, B.C., they are now on evacuation alert. They should be prepared to do so. They be, if somebody comes and knocks on your door, you have to leave now. Are you prepared? Would you be prepared? What would you take? What would you have ready? It's a horrible situation. Hopefully those wildfires out there will, uh, will dissipate and the people that are fighting the fires out there will be able to uh, get a handle on it because this is, uh, we talked about Fort Montgomery last year. That was a real eye-opener. Now it's happening out in B.C., Williams Lake and, and what have you, and it's uh, just a horrible situation made even worse by scammers trying to take advantage of the situation. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. All right, so let's let's get into the story. You are a television anchor in Augusta, Georgia. You come into work one day, you see your voicemail light light up on the phone, you think to yourself, aha, this could be a news story. No, this is what you hear. Please go to Target and buy some decent maternity clothes so you don't walk around looking like you got a watermelon strapped under your too tight outfits. Target's got a great line of paternity clothes in case you've never heard of such a thing. You're getting to where you're being disgusting on the TV. Well, joining us to talk about that venomous voicemail is Laura Warren, an anchor with the WRWD in Augusta, Georgia. Laura, thank you for joining us. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> Listen, so... Uh, how surprised were you when you got that voicemail? Did was it uh, pretty well the way I said it? You thought you were getting a a tip, and then this is what you got. It was exactly how you described. I mean, you know, you just the way our system works is you get an email that says you've got a voicemail to listen to, and I was just thinking it was something run of the mill, you know, some story tip. And the vitriol in her voice, and just kind of the contempt she had for me, like she. Personally, just I was the bane of her existence. It just really like hit me in the gut when I heard it. You know, um, and I uh, tweeted the story at Ted CHML, and uh, there was a picture. Uh, there's actually two pictures of you um, standing there, and I don't want to sound sexist. I don't, but you're positively <laughs> glowing. You look great. I don't understand there's this. Sexist about that. <laughs> I don't understand why people would say that you look disgusting. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, it's you know. So so let's let's talk about this. You you said that you know, you you wrote a blog that was actually, I I was laughing at uh, some of the things that you wrote. You say you know you find clothes that not only fit that don't make you look like a whale. You cake off yeah. enough hair and makeup products twice a day to moonlight like a Las Vegas showgirl. <laughs> um, I I don't understand why they would be this way and and you mentioned you are pregnant so maybe emotionally you're a little little fragile but but how upset were you by this well at first you know all these adages that your parents tell you are running through your head like don't let this lady get a rise out of you and you know that's what the bullies want they want you to react and sticks and stones and like all of these trite things but when it actually happens to you and i think anybody who has had something that that really hit them and resonated with them can kind of attest to this when it actually happens to you all those things are nice but it's not really what happens you know it's not something you can just brush off 
so when when I kind of first heard it and internalized it, you know, I went through all those things in my mind because I consider myself a pretty confident woman. Obviously, you know, I chose this career. I knew what it involved being in the public eye. But when you when you take a step back and you realize that people just because they're journalists or they're on air, they're still humans and they're still, you know, have these feelings and these gut reactions. Um, it really kind of kind of cut me deep and and took away a little bit of that confidence, which I hated that she had that power over me. You know, I, I, I think that was the part that was most unsettling that I allowed this woman to ruin kind of my whole day. And, um, you know, that's not what we want. And, and thinking about it, certainly now, as I'm beginning to prepare to be a mother, I'm thinking of all of these things my mother told me. And I'm thinking of this, you know, sweet little boy who is, is so perfect and innocent right now. And all of these fears that mothers have, you know, what do you say to your kid when there are so many cruel people in the world? And in this case, an adult and a woman, and who knows if she was a mother or a grandmother. I don't know anything about this woman, and, and this certainly wasn't why I wrote the blog post. I didn't want to create two wrongs by, you know, blasting her or saying anything cruel about her, because that doesn't make anything right either. But, um, you know, I, I don't know anything about her, and it just kind of, it just really hit me, kind of shook me to my core, and maybe question a lot of things. I, I they, There are a lot of uh, people that I know who, who work in a television, and uh, we, we have one of them uh, joining us at one thirty, Angie Seth, who works uh, Global Toronto. She, she does weekends, and I know that she can relate to this. Uh, have in the past, have you received emails or phone calls from people saying, fix your hair, I don't like that dress you're wearing, why aren't you wearing this, why don't you do that? Do you get a lot of those? You know, not a lot, truthfully. I mean, with social media, it's a click away. So I definitely have gotten some. Some of them are, are almost laughable. Um, one lady called me, and I, I actually thought about it a lot and went back and looked at some footage, but she really didn't like the way I turned my head. She said it was like I was on Hollywood or something. I guess I was just turning my head too dramatically. I, I'm not sure. Probably because I have 60 pounds of hairspray on, and if you move it, it's in your eyes. So, you know. But, you know, I've gotten some surface-level things. One gentleman called one time and left a message uh, that he wished I would wear lipstick that matched my dresses. You know, I don't know how when I'm wearing an orange dress, orange lipstick would look on me. But, you know, just some things like that. But nothing to this level um, that was so personal and so much about my body image Um so that was that was pretty hard. Now, a lot of my friends and a lot of my colleagues and coworkers have gotten some really venomous things. And I've seen a lot of people take the high road um, and, and do the right thing and, um, you know, try and try to move on. But you still see how it kind of affects them, even if even if we say we're OK. You know, it's still kind of is that nagging thought in the back of your head. Like, well, is it true? Do I do this thing or should I, you know? lose weight or whatever it may be. Have you, um, what's the response been like, um, not necessarily from your coworkers, because I know that uh, we're all a team and when you're working with somebody in many right. ways, it is a family. But what's the response been generally? Because I know that this thing went viral. You're getting a lot of support? Actually, I've been overwhelmed by the support because I was a little bit nervous when this thing started to take off. Sometimes when I write these blogs, I forget that the whole world has access to them. You know, it's right. almost like a 
a personal therapy kind of thing and, and something kind of intimate with our viewers, it seems like, but that's not the case. It's on the Internet. So when it started taking off, I was shocked, first of all. But I was also really nervous because I know when things like this start taking off, a lot of times you end up getting more of that, like, hate that you're trying to avoid in the first place. You know, people always come up with some way to twist it or they hate something about it or they agree with the woman or who knows. But I've been really shocked. The overwhelming majority, I mean, it has been really positive. And I think that it kind of justified me or it helped me be like, okay, thank goodness you wrote this and got this out because so many women or husbands or fathers or or family members have seen this happen to their own spouses or, or it's happened to themselves. And um, maybe not to this level, but even just in the grocery store, when you see somebody you haven't seen in six months, and they're like, wow, you, how far along are you? Gosh, you're, you're really big. You know, and people a lot of times don't mean anything by it, but you internalize it and you, you think about it. And um, so I think it just kind of resonated um, with a lot of people. But the response has been overwhelmingly positive. So I've been really thankful about that. Our guest is Laura Warren, an anchor at WRWD in Augusta, Georgia. You know, I kind of wish we were talking about the Masters down there instead of a good news story. How, <laughs> However, I, I digress. So you were obviously, you got the voicemail, you were steamed, you got home, and you unloaded on your husband. What did <laughs> yes, he have to say? What, what did he have to say about this? That's a great question. So I had, um, I let him listen to the voicemail, and he was incensed. I mean, much more so than I was because, you know, it upset me, but I had kind of like let it cool down. But I thought he was going to come through the phone and try to track down this woman. I mean, he was, he was just so upset and he works in social media, actually. He's a social media manager. So he's used to seeing kind of the written word. And he was telling me um, it just made such an impact on him hearing her voice and just how you know, consumed by me she was and how um, distraught and upset. So he, um, I don't know that he wanted to take the high road quite as much as as I wanted him to, but um, he was very um, upset by this. And just seeing what I go through every day, you know, picking out clothes and and the worry and um, about gaining weight and just, you know, am I doing everything right? Am I being healthy? He sees all that, you know, he sees that raw, vulnerable side of me so for this woman that I've never met and this viewer um you know to just kind of say this out of the blue it it really got to him (laughs) um you know and and your blog it was I'm I mean it was so well written I was kind of laughing that the way you 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 wrote it you said unfortunately I'm pregnant hormonal curly not allowed (laughs) to drink wine and feeling extra in touch with my feminist side um (laughs) hopefully you're not lashing out at your co-workers when you're feeling this bad no, no. Thankfully, I have tried to keep it together with them, but they all take it me with a grain of salt. I mean, I'm usually pretty upbeat um, and pretty easy to get along with, um, but pregnancy will sometimes, you know, bring the worst things out of you. But my, co- my co-anchor, Richard, is twice my age, but we are like best friends, and he probably gets the brunt of it, even more so than my husband. Um, because he's with me so many hours a day, but he is always so reassuring. You know, he's a father to a daughter, and, um, you know, he's, he's kind of my rock in some of these situations. He's always my cheerleader, so if I'm getting a little stressed or frazzled, he kind of talks me off the ledge, but it, it hasn't been 
you know, quite as extreme as I make it sound. I try not to lash out at people, especially in the workplace, even if my hormones are <laughs> getting a little crazy. Well, one of the things that you did right, and and uh, this is the actual part of this, is you, you're on air, you invite people into your homes, and you give them the news, and you tell them the facts, and people are so focused, and you'd say nothing would make you happier than staying in your stretch maternity yoga pants, <laughs> a bucket of fried chicken in your lap watching Gossip Girl reruns. <laughs> People don't understand, I I guess, that the makeup and everything else, I mean, you get past that, you are still doing your job, and it maybe, right. it, maybe it bothers me more than, than others to think that people are so looking at the superficial stuff, and it really bothers us. Yeah, I know, it's tough, and like, obviously, I know that goes along with the job. Obviously, it's a visual medium, so, um, you know, I, I do take some effort into my hair, my makeup, but... It's hard being on every single day, um, and obviously that is part of the job, and you work on that, being on every single day, but especially when you're pregnant, there are so many days where you just don't want to crawl out of bed. You just want to curl up in that little ball, and um, my best friend is a NICU nurse, and you know that's a tough job in its own right as well, especially being pregnant, but she talks about being so thankful someday she doesn't have to put on makeup, or you know she'll just throw her hair in a ponytail and just look like the kiss of death at work. And, you know, just get through it the best way she knows how. But with me, like, that's just not an option with this job. You know, you, you can't just throw your hair in a ponytail and say sorry about it, not wearing makeup today. So some days you kind of have to push through a little bit. But it's part of the job. Every job has their challenges. And, you know, it, it's a small price to pay for doing what I love. Actually, uh, taking that one step further, um, before you became pregnant, when you would go out on the weekends or the downtime to go shopping at the mall or to go grocery shopping or what have you, were you concerned about the way that you looked? Because knowing that you're out, not necessarily out in public, but the fact that you're not at home and people may be looking at you at somebody that isn't on the air? Yeah, it's funny. Um that you mentioned that because I used to care a lot about that because people would approach me and especially when I was coming from the gym because I don't wear a stitch of makeup to the gym obviously and um, people would be like gosh you look almost like that girl on television and sometimes I would be tempted to be like oh I get that a lot and just keep walking so they wouldn't know it was me because obviously you look a lot different when you're you're that dressed down and sweaty and you've just done an hour workout um, but now, as time's gone on, it, it doesn't really bother me that much because, you know, we're real people, too, and we don't always have the hair and the makeup on. And, you know, if I've got to run to the grocery store, I'm just not going to put on, you know, stage clothes anymore to go out to the grocery store. So I, I do kind of still think about it sometimes, but um, overall, I was just kind of, maybe that's being in the business a little bit longer, the longer you're in it, you kind of move over some of those things. I'm curious from a a, a local media standpoint down in uh, Augusta, Georgia, how much mileage this took and and, and has this been shared enough that maybe people may know who this individual was that sent this vitriolic voicemail? Well, there have been some posts where people were like, oh, that sounds like Aunt Judy or whoever, but I think they were more just teasing because everybody may have that crazy aunt or, you know, crazy family member. I don't think anyone's really identified her. And I did kind of worry about that when when I posted her voice, because had she left her number or her her name or anything like that, I would have never, never shared that. That wasn't kind of the intent to shame this 
particular woman. Um, so I did kind of worry about that. But no, I think um, it's so tough. You know, down here, everyone's got a little bit of the same twang and a little bit of the same draw. So no one has identified her and she has not come forward. Um, and she sound, she does sound a little older. So and, and the fact that she chose to contact me via voicemail, I'm thinking she probably doesn't even have any idea of the backlash it's created. Um, and it really wasn't so much about, you know, her. It was more about the conversation about bullying and, and your words and, you know, choosing to, to do these things. So I don't think she has any idea. And no one has come forward, thankfully, to to identify her Um you know, positively. Laura Warren, a news anchor uh, at WRWD in Augusta, Georgia. I was going to wrap up my conversation by saying roll tide, but I don't think I can do that. Ooh. <laughs> so, so, yeah, yeah I know. Uh, it's the whole Alabama, Georgia. So, so go Bulls. Go How's <laughs> Go dogs. How's that? that? So, Laura, that. Um, best of luck uh, for the rest of your pregnancy. You mentioned a boy. I hope you have a, a healthy, happy, bouncing baby boy, and, and hopefully you. the remaining part of your your work term up until the time you you have the baby will be all about getting ready for that and I have to deal with people like this. Thank you for the time and best of luck and thanks for joining us. Thanks so much. Wow. Laura Warren. There's the story. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. Please go to Target and buy some decent maternity clothes. So you don't walk around looking like you got a watermelon strapped under your too tight outfits. Target's got a great line of maternity clothes in case you've never heard of such a thing. You're getting to where you're being disgusting on the TV. So, on that note, we are joined by a global news anchor, the weekend anchor, uh, Angie Seth joins us. Uh, Angie, you want to weigh in on this one? <laughs> You know what? I'm just listening to that, and I'm going, first of all, the fact that she's referring to this beautiful woman's belly, this baby that's in her stomach, as a watermelon, Uh um, in itself is extremely insulting to not only to this woman, but to her unborn child. I mean, that's, that's, that's really going overboard. Um, that that's a little bit ridiculous. You're talking about an individual who is partaking in what we've all considered to be the miracle of life. And, um, you know, one woman to another woman, uh, hats off to her for doing what she does each and every day, pregnant or non-pregnant. We uh, tweeted the uh, picture, and I had mentioned to Laura that, you know, I didn't want to sound sexy, but she looks positively glowing in that picture. Like she looks. Yeah, she looks fabulous, and I don't understand, and we can get into all this, but how can people be so cruel, Angie? I guess that's the major question. Well, the unfortunate thing is is when you are on television, be it a news anchor or whether a celebrity or whatnot, we, we notice that there is always the spotlight of, well, how are they looking? What changed? What are they wearing? What are they doing? And for a lot of news anchors, female news anchors, obviously, when things do change, when a woman is pregnant, um, there is a great deal of judgment. And I'm not, it's it's interesting to sort of, if you look at the psychology as to why, right? And I guess, you know, we're, you know, viewers are very used to how that individual looks and how that individual is presented to themselves. Um, But when things start to change, it's almost like they feel they have a bit of ownership over that individual. And they give that. Uh, they need they they feel it's okay to give that opinion and say oh, I know you should be doing that or oh my God you look this way and it's just it's just fine but it's not. 
When you were, um, you, you I, I know you've you've been pregnant on air twice now. Um, yeah. Did you? I, I'm not saying vitriolic comments like that, but did you get some comments from people that are saying, "Well, I don't know. Geez, look at you. You've gained weight," or things like that. I didn't. But what was interesting was, and a, and for me, um, a lot of the times I was behind a desk, so you couldn't really tell as much. And um, but when they found out I was pregnant. I had people guessing how far along I was. I had people, it became um, very much the viewer's focus. How far along is she? How big is she getting? How, when is she going to take time off? You know, how is she looking? And, you know, there were, there were comments. Uh, fortunately, they weren't negative comments, but you really kind of felt like you were on display. And I, I know that a lot of women have issue with, you know, when you come into a, you, you're in a public place and someone sees you're pregnant, automatically they want to touch your belly and whatnot. You're like, whoa, I'm not kind of a, <laughs> I'm not sort of like a little amusement park here. We can kind of go, you know, <laughs> check things out, so to speak. But sometimes you feel that way. And when you're on air, um, you know, there's comments. I mean, my mother had her friends calling her going, oh, my God, is Angie pregnant? And she'd be like, yes. And then, then they wanted to get the, the, the goods from her. <laughs> and you're going, this is a common thing. This is not like a one-off this one individual is getting pregnant is a common thing, um, you know. And then from that, you go into a form of judgment in terms of what are you going to look like after the pregnancy? Are you going to be able to go back to your pre-baby weight? There's a lot of pressure there. Do you look the same, you know? Um, and, you know, during pregnancy, are you gaining weight? And people can be pretty cool and say yes or no. And really, it should come down to, hey, are you healthy? Is the baby healthy? You feeling good? And congratulations, that's really what the focus should be. You know, but often uh, it's not. And quite frankly, um, I'm. this may be a little caustic, and I think you know by now that, uh, you know, this stage of my life, I don't care. <laughs> Taking that one point further, what you've talked about, about, you know, when is she due and how much weight. Quite frankly, what bloody business is it of anybody's anyway, right? It, that's very true, but when you are that individual that they turn to every night or every weekend... Um, it's almost like you're, you're part of their life. You're part of their routine. And when that routine has a change, then they, I find that a lot of viewers feel obligated to know more of that information. I want to know more about what's happening with you. And I mean, nowadays with social media, um, we, we can become more engaged that way. Um, and hence, you know, I, I mean, I know that we had, we've had, we had another anchor, another global anchor who went through all of this during her second pregnancy. Uh, which was, you know, a lot of unkind words, which is just terrible, let alone no one's realizing all the changes that a woman is going through, hormonal changes that she might be going through, emotional changes that she might be going through. God forbid there's anything wrong with her and the baby during all of this and can be extremely stressful. No one plays into that. They play on sort of the first hand, here's what you see is what you get and what I'm seeing is changing, so I have a right to sort of give my opinion on what changed because hey you're the person that i turn to every night or every weekend so i i, I should be part of that mm-hmm. and if i don't like it i'm going to tell you i don't like it and you should you know you should take that information and use it because i find it's valuable it's also very easy to make those comments behind a phone mm-hmm. behind email behind twitter behind social media because we don't see a face i get almost be very very i'd be shocked if and it has happened but Someone would come up to you and say, "Wow, you look terrible," <laughs> and you're going, "Great, thank you. This is awesome." 
Um, no one wants to hear about the sob story that's happening on your end. They just want to be able to dish out what they can. You know, it's um, Laura Warren is the anchor that we had on last half hour, the anchor from WRWD in Augusta, Georgia. And the right. blog that she wrote said, uh, unfortunately, I'm pregnant, hormonal, not allowed to drink wine, and feeling extra in touch with my feminist side. That yeah. that pretty well explains it. That, that, as she mentioned, Angie, we're all people. We're all going through stuff. We're Absolutely. just like everybody else. But all of a sudden, when you're on television and, I'm kind of putting the eye here on on TV people, especially when you're Mm -hmm. in television, as you mentioned, people seem to care. Uh, For example, have you gotten emails in the past or phone calls about, oh, I don't know, you should grow your hair, you should cut your hair, you should wear glasses, you should not wear glasses, don't wear that top, don't wear this top? Yeah. Um, I had one viewer who really wanted me to grow my hair out. I had another viewer who asked me me why I wore my glasses. Um, And then lately it's been, you know, where do you get your... Where do you get your stuff from, uh, whatnot. But going back to the, just just another point I want to make, going back to sort of the, in terms of all the changes that we go through, with both, I, I've got three kids, but this, with the last two, for a good, well, I should say probably the entire pregnancy, I had a bucket that was next to me at the desk because I was really sick. <laughs> and, you know, the last thing I needed then was for someone to tell me, oh, my gosh, you look awful on the air. And you're probably going, yeah, probably because I just threw up just before I did this read. So that might be why. Wow. But, you know, it, 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 those are, again, those are things that people don't think about. And my husband was absolutely lovely and told me, you know, honestly, he told me, he was, I love you, pregnant. You look fabulous. You look great. And I look at him and go, I feel like <laughs> crap. nothing, like any of those things. I feel like unbelievable crap. I've got morning sickness for nine months, and I'm really not enjoying this pregnancy. I appreciate it, but I feel awful. And if, you know, it's almost like the last straw that breaks the camel's back. Wow. You know, as pregnant women, it is it is an incredible, beautiful, amazing time in your life. But there are things that you can't control, and all you want to do is everything you possibly can for this baby to be good and healthy. And if it means you're throwing up or you can't eat or whatnot, then get through it. Um, but we do ask that people just don't place judgment on that because, hey, your daughter, sister-in-law, you know, mother may have gone through all of that. And the last thing you want to hear is go, oh, my God, you just look terrible. And you'd be like, oh, hey, I'm, how, about, how about some support? <laughs> how mm-hmm. about, you know, I get hey, it. You know what? Maybe you have gained a ton of weight. So what? But just say, you know what? You're having a baby. Congratulations. This is beautiful. It's yep. amazing. Good for you. And good for her for dressing the way she wants to dress. Yep. That bump is something that we should be celebrating and not hiding. It's not a watermelon. Mm. It's a human being. It's, it's, it's this incredible miracle. My dad, when I got pregnant with my first, he said to me, he showed me his thumb, his thumbnail. And he goes, Do you know what? This baby starts off this small, and it's incredible what you're doing right now. And you just kind of go, wow, wow, this is a huge privilege for me. Wow. We don't need people to insult us about it. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, uh- it's I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, Angie, when, um, are you cognizant when you go out, when you're not at work and, and I'm getting into the, the whole reason I'm asking this, I'll, and I'll share one of my stories in a moment, but when you go out, when you're not at work, when you go to, uh, your daughter's hockey game, when you go Mm -hmm. to the mall, when you go grocery shopping, what have you, are you cognizant of how you're dressed in case you run into somebody because you are recognizable in the community? Um, yes and no. <laughs> I have been, um, you know, there, I, I won't, let's put it this way. I won't dress the way I'm at work all the time. I will just, I, I, for me, when I'm very laid back, I want to be comfortable. 
Um, I, I'll probably look more sporty uh, outside of work than I would um, at work, whereas at work it's sort of more um, it's sort of more of a business casual type of thing. Um, what I am also very cognizant about is you know how you do act in public. You know, 99% of the time I've got my kids with me and kids are loud and rambunctious and whatnot, <laughs> and, um, which I love because to me this just shows that they're happy and healthy and curious and it's wonderful. Um, you know, and I do get a lot of people that will come up to me and, and, uh, and I often wear, don't wear a lot of makeup when I'm out in public. And when people do come up to me and recognize me, then I actually go, oh, okay, well, that's good. Then I don't look like a complete different person on the air. That's a good thing for me. <laughs> so, so, but, so, so people then do recognize you. I'm hoping that they don't throw in comments like saying, geez, you look different on, on no, off no, camera. No, no, the only thing I've gotten is I've had the only thing that anyone has said to me is they'll come up, they'll come up and say, I know you, I've watched you, and, and I, it actually surprises me because... I'm not in my anchor, as I call it, my anchor uniform. I'm not in the dress, I'm not in the suit or whatnot. But they'll say, oh, my gosh, you're so much smaller than I thought you were. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I had one fellow actually goes, God, you're tiny like a little schoolgirl. <laughs> so I went, okay, <laughs> sure, fine, I'm not, a, I'm not an overly large person, fair enough. And, yes, you look different on camera and whatnot. And I said, I do wear heels. I'm not wearing heels now. I've got the sketchers on. <laughs> you know what? I like my feet to be comfortable. Excellent. But, yeah. Well- and the reason I ask this is because I, I think it's fair to say television people are a lot more recognized in the community than people in radio are. And, and I was sh- absolutely shocked one day, and I've never re- actually shared this story until now. Several, several years ago, I, I had an appointment at the eye doc. It was a Saturday. So get up. The first thing, I grabbed the first shirt that I could out of the, the, the armoire. It was the cleanest one. It was on top of the pile. Fine. I go there. And it turns out that it was a shirt, I vividly remember, it was a shirt that was given to me by a colleague of mine who was doing color for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders radio broadcast. So it had okay. a Sask- Saskatchewan Rough Riders logo on the sleeve. Right. I didn't think anything of it because it was a clean shirt and I was wanted to go get my eyes checked. There you go. A couple of days later, got an email from somebody saying, how dare you wear a Saskatchewan Rough Riders shirt in public? You work for CHML, you do the Tiger Cat games, and you should wear a Tiger Cat shirt. Oh, and my. my first reaction was, what bloody difference? is it uh, of yours i sent him back a nice email but that's kind of why i I asked that question now i'm i'm almost paranoid of making sure that i wear the proper thing in in public (laughs) now i don't know if i'm going too far that way um i don't think you're completely off uh again it comes down to you are someone in that people listen to in their homes i'm someone that people watch in their homes and you're part of their life so they automatically have expectations of you. And when you do something that they don't necessarily agree with, they're going to tell you. I had a fellow that t- uh, t- uh, tweeted me. I think he was from Saskatoon. And he tweeted me on the weekend when I referred to the weather. It's, it was a beautiful day. He says, well, you may like the hot weather, but I don't. So it wasn't a beautiful day to me, so don't tell me it's a beautiful day. I wow. Went, well, fair enough. But again, we it, it's almost like we, again, we they're allowing us into their homes. You know, they're and listening to us, watching us, et cetera, they have a particular expectation. And a lot of times, again, when I'm having my weather chats with other, whether it's Ross Hall or Mike Arsenault, they'll, we'll get comments in terms of what we were talking about. And if they don't, they didn't like what they, Mike or Ross said to me or whatnot, there'll be someone that will comment on it. And part of you goes, oh, no, it's the show. It's none of your business. It's no big deal. But it becomes part of their business. I so actually... Unfortunately, going back to the whole pregnancy thing, mm-hmm. it becomes part of their business, how you look. 
what's going on, how much time you took off, all of that kind of stuff mm-hmm. becomes part of their business. But I have to ask this question, though. Mm-hmm. Would Ross Hull, your weather anchor on weekends, would he get emails from people saying, I don't like your tie, I don't like your ascot, I don't like your suit, I don't, I don't... Does no, he? That's a good. that's a good question, but I... Um, I do know some male anchors that have gotten uh, some comments. I do know in our Calgary more our Calgary morning show um, would get terrible emails and tweets to the point that they actually decided to make it. They actually read them on a segment in the morning because they were that ridiculous, and it was both to male and female. I think we tend to hear more about situations with regards to women because it is all about. Um, you know, women, as we get older, we're all, we're all trying to keep ourselves looking younger. A man, a man gets older and he's distinguished. A woman gets older and she's just old, Ooh. right? We want to change, we're trying to change all of that perception. Um, so there's more, perhaps more judgment and more pressure on, in that respect. But men do get it. Men do get it. I think we just hear more in terms of what happens on the women's side because maybe it's a little more, um, uh, maybe it's more blunt right. <laughs> more often maybe. But, yeah, I mean, hey, you got someone that, that wasn't too happy with the fact that you're wearing that particular shirt. So they are watching and they are aware. Mm-hmm. Taking that one step further, you talked about the whole uh, um, double double standard of men looking distinguished and women, as you say, look like they're getting old. You're a runner. You've won the Boston Marathon. You've run marathons and 10K races and what have you. Um, you're... You're doing that, I hope, because it keeps you mentally and physically healthy, not uh, to just, uh, you know, you want to look young, so, as you say, you don't look like you should be older and retired. You know what? I have a great sugar tooth. <laughs> I've run all my life. I mean, my parents can attest to it. I've, I'm, I'm, actually, both my mom and dad were runners as well when they were younger um, in high school, um, and both very, very active. And, um, but I've run all my life. I was a sprinter in high school and then got into long distance running. And the marathon for me was something I did a year after I had my first child. And it was a challenge. I wanted to see if I could uh, physically do it. And I did. And I fell in love with it. But running for me is my mental break. Running for me is my mental escape. It's what keeps me relaxed and calm. It's what, you know, my husband will often notice I've gone for a run in the morning. And if I've had a really rough day, he's like, well, go ahead, you know. You're shopping on the running shoes. You're going out again. I'm like, yeah, I need to go out again. I need to do it. I need to just let whatever the day was slide off my back. Yeah, and, and it keeps you healthy. Absolutely it does. And physically, and, and promotion of being physically active and whatnot. But I, I can say I've chosen to never go on a diet. I've chosen to, to what, what, what is it that I can do to sort of keep myself healthy. And, you know, to any woman out there, regardless height, shape, size, what have you, you see them out there, whether they're walking or they're running or they're doing something that's good for them, hats off to them. Absolutely, 100%. And, it, and we, we all should be celebrating ourselves just as we are, not by, our, um, not by our size, not by our waist size or anything like that. No way. I mean, there are some incredibly beautiful women, um, and, and it's because of who they are, not because they have whatever the perfect, you know, measurements are. I have no idea what they are. You know, I couldn't really care. But, um, yeah, that's why I do it. But I know that I I have um, so many friends, and I just look at them and I go, you're amazing because of who you are and what you do. And and you're happy. you got to be happy about yourself. Perfect. And if someone says, I don't think, you know, you should be thinner, say, well, then thanks for your opinion. But guess what? I'm 
I'm good just as I am, and my husband likes me just as I am, and my friends like me just as I am, and I'm presenting a good example to my girls and to my son. And that's all that so matters. Exactly. Uh, by the way, by the way, got a quick email from uh, a friend of mine, Tom, who uh, titled it "Something to Wear to Your Next Eye Appointment," and uh, open up the email, and he has a Tiger Cat jersey on there. So it's just, <laughs> it's just, it's just to show you the the instantaneous, uh, instantaneousness of this program. Angie, uh, a fascinating look at what goes on behind the scenes and behind the camera. I do have to pop down to the Global Newsroom, and I promise when I come down to visit you guys that I will bring some chocolates. How's that? <gasps> You know what? You're my very best friend. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for the update, Angie. We'll stay. You know, we should do a segment, What's Upsetting Angie? I love this. (laughs) You know what? You're on. Let's do it. All right, Angie, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for the time. All right. Thanks a lot, Ted. All right. There's Angie Seth, and there you have it. Uh, What goes on behind the scenes? Uh, See, people didn't know that there would be a bucket next to her when she's having sickness, when she's pregnant, and then this whole it's on Twitter. Go to Ted CHML. You will see the uh, the link uh, to the anchor that we talked about and the clip of the woman who uh, called and left the vitriolic voicemail. And Good for her. She looks fabulous. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML.